This is Hal Hester, lead pastor of Vine Life, and this is our podcast, The Empowered Word. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective on what God is doing in your life. Please enjoy the message. It's good to be here this morning with you. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, we have a special guest this morning, and uh, I'm, I'm really excited uh, about him being here. Uh, you know, over the last few years, um, we've been very intentional to talk about uh, what is happening all over the world versus what's happening here in the United States in terms of the Christian church. And, you know, one of the things is, is that for many people, uh, as we look around at kind of the condition of the American church, uh, there's a great deal of concern as we look around even at Western world in general, especially the, you know, the English-speaking world. And we've seen a tremendous decline in Christianity. And across the board, people are asking the questions, of course, uh, people, groups like the New Atheists and things like that have really said, well, see, this is just the decline that happens because people grow beyond, uh, you, know, uh, you know, religion and move on to higher forms of thinking. And, and yet here's what we actually know is that uh, globally, uh, wherever atheism is gone, uh, actually, you know, the opposite happens, that uh, Christianity is growing uh, fastest in places in the world that were, uh, you know, proclaimed atheists a long time ago. Uh, certainly right now, uh, in what was the Soviet Union, uh, Christianity continues to grow faster there than anywhere in the West. Uh, likewise, in China, you know, whenever I was in China, one of the things I couldn't help but notice was that on every airplane, on every train that I took, the primary discussion that was happening all around me was all about God, about Shangdi, the God of heaven, and, and what God was doing in people's lives. And so, um, you know, what people actually tend to do is when they move away from a belief in the one true God, they move towards superstition. And so we begin to trust in luck and other things like that. Um, uh, and, and some of the most superstitious people I know are people who claim not to believe anything. Um, uh, because they, they have to put a, a way of explaining the things in their life that they can't control. And so they resort to, you know, gum in their shoes and wearing the right pair of socks to an athletic game or whatever else. And we contribute those things to, uh, to try and uh, explain away uh, things in our life. Well, anyhow, um, globally, Christianity is on the rise uh, actually, uh, more than half of all those who have ever been Christians in all of history are alive right now. Um, that's really hard to get your head around because for most people, as we see the decline in the United States, we're thinking uh, Christianity must be losing ground. It must be shrinking. And instead, uh, globally, what we find is that no, there have been tremendous, especially over the last 20 years, um, what Jerry Towsley uh, has talked about in his book, Miraculous Movements. Uh, there's been this movement across the face of the earth, especially uh, in Muslim and other restricted nations where the gospel is not allowed to be preached. The gospel is flourishing. In other words, where it's free to be preached and where we're free to talk about it, we don't because we're comfortable. And around the world... The gospel in restricted nations 
in places where it could cost you your life, the gospel is flourishing. It's expounding uh, faster than ever before in all of history so that more than half of all the Christians that have ever lived in the last 2,000 years are alive right at this very moment. The gospel is advancing over the face of the earth. That's why I have invited the Eglies. This, they are going to be doing a conference, a little mini-conference for us this weekend, Friday night and all of Saturday morning. Uh, it costs you nothing uh, except your time. And I want to encourage you, please sign up and join us Friday night and Saturday morning. Uh, but this morning, I, uh, Jim is going to share with us a little bit about just how that, you know, how the gospel advances just through the basic thing of building relationship, of allowing the gospel to work in our own lives, and some other things he's going to share with us. I'm not going to paint him in a corner because I told him he's free to speak as uh, he needs to. But here's the thing I know about Jim. Uh, I've been watching Jim for about well, I'll just say 30-plus years. And his impact on the shaping of life groups, small groups, all across this country, the impact he's had across the spectrum, not just in the vineyard. And then to find out later on, you know, shortly after that, I realized he was a vineyard guy. Here we were in the same movement, uh, and I got to watch the fruit of what he was doing at the Champagne Vineyard, and uh, really great church, a wonderful, healthy church, spirit-led church. But some of the things that they have done in terms of developing life group and body life to be the kind of safe place where people, when they come to Christ, can land and then grow and flourish uh, is because of the work that uh, he and Vicki have done there. And so it is my great joy this morning to say, and welcome to the stage, Jim Egley. Thanks. Thanks. Let's just pray with Jim right now. Father God, I just want to thank you for Jim. I thank you for the kind of man he is, that the character and the person on the stage is the character and the person who I've walked with, seen in real life, in times of stress and difficulty and in times of great joy. Thank you for the earnest man of God that he is. I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds now to receive the good word that he has for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Hal. Yeah, I was uh, with Hal and Dawn at the National Conference in July, and Hal's like, you should come down when it's, you know, and when it's warm in Florida <laughs> and it's cold in Illinois. Why don't you come down and do some training for us in January? So... I don't know. It was minus one, though, when we left home yesterday morning. So it actually does feel warm. It has not been this warm in Illinois for quite some time. <laughs> so anyway, um, so it's good to be here. And we actually are enjoying the warm weather. So, But um, I wanted to talk about how do you reach your friends that need God? How many of you know some people that need Jesus? Friends? relatives, co-workers, classmates, right? And um, somehow this is something over the years, over the last 30 years, um, actually 35 years, I've been um, just developing training and writing books on it. And the reason why I do this is like, I'm not that good at it. Uh, you know, like I'm just, 
an introvert, you put me in a crowd and I'm really quiet, and you know, I'm not, you know, like we've had some of these speakers come to our church and they tell you how they led the person next to them on the plane to Christ, you know? And they, they were at the gas station and they, they, you know, came up to somebody and like, do you have pain in your back? And the person's like, yeah, how do you know? And they pray for them and they, like, they're healed and they lead the person to Jesus and, you know, and like, I, I can't do that. You know what I mean? But what I've learned is it's not complicated. You know, like if I can do this, you can do this, okay? <laughs> um, that's, why, that's why I've been uh, writing training and books about this, is helping people encounter Jesus is about praying for them and loving them and letting them see Jesus in our lives. And um, so that's what I want to talk about today. And we're, we're, I'm going to give you an introduction to one um, tool, for this uh, this morning, but then Friday and Saturday, Vicki and I are going to be doing um, just going into this deeper. And how do we work together with other believers? How do we develop teamwork so we're praying together for our friends and family members and so on? So anyway, we, we invite you to come back Friday and Saturday, but even if you can just come like Friday night, but you can't come Saturday, or you can come Saturday morning, but you can't come Friday night. Just come. It will all be very practical, very helpful. Um, but right now, in this season of our lives, we were in pastoral ministry for 30 years, and um, much to our surprise, uh, God called us into missions in our 60s. We became missionaries in our 60s, and we work. Um, we're like Paul and Barnabas. We do missionary journeys. You see those in the back of your Bible. Maybe you've got a map of these, you know, Paul's first, second, third, fourth missionary journey. That's what we do. We live in Illinois, but we make missionary journeys to help mobilize Christians and uh to multiply disciples in churches in Muslim, French-speaking West Africa. So actually, next week, we leave for Africa, and we'll be there most of February. But there's this cool thing taking place around the world, and it started in the 90s in India. So there was this American missionary and he went to India, and he, he like trained evangelists, and he's like, go, they were gonna, their goal was to reach the largest unreached people group in the world, the Bhojpuri people, 90 million people. And like missionaries had tried to reach them, and all this, and like people were not coming to Jesus. There was incredible resistance. They called it a graveyard of missions. And he went there, and he's like, I'm, I'm going to do this. And he, he trained people, and they started evangelizing, and the goal was to start churches and so on. And um, six of the people he trained were killed. And the government was like, you need to leave the country. Um, so he... He left India, he and his wife left India, and they uh, like 
retreated to Singapore. And he just was like, I failed. And, and he just started to pray and read the Bible and like, God, you, what was that all about? You sent me there and these coworkers were killed and like it was just a failure. And he felt God say, the problem was not the people. The problem was your method. So he read the Bible. He read the Bible. He's just like, I'm just going to read the Bible. He read the Bible 10 times. And he thought, you know, we, we preach, we start churches, and then we were like, how do we make disciples? And he was like, maybe this is like we're supposed to be like Jesus and make disciples. And that's what Jesus said, right? Jesus didn't say, build your, my church. Jesus said, make, go and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And Jesus said, I will build my church. So he went back and he, he, he found an Indian pastor that's like, let's just make disciples that make disciples. And anyway, that, it's, it was very hard, it was very slow, because you're just, you're just reaching a few people, but then those people are reaching other people, right? And as uh, disciples multiply, churches are formed, and churches multiply, and um, some missiology, so that, like, that brought breakthrough. It took time, but it brought breakthrough. And um, what, eventually that, uh, reached two million people. So people started to notice this. Like, uh, maybe we should do this. Maybe we should do this in Indonesia. Maybe we should do this in Africa. Maybe, so this, um, and like I say, we're missionaries. Like, all, if you're a missionary today, people are trying to learn this because it's like, this is more effective and it costs less. Those are two big things in missions. Uh, because we're always short on money and we're always short on leaders. And so uh, this, uh, there's missions researchers now that say this has impacted 70 million people. 1% uh, of the world's population. So people are trying to like, now, and uh, people, we're not used to it in America. We're used to people, people follow our technology, they follow our styles, they follow, like, they listen to our music all over the world. We're not used to in America, like, what could we learn from the rest of the world? But with COVID, people are like, wait, people, people just left. People left and they didn't come back. Like, what was that? And maybe we didn't have disciples. Maybe we just had attenders. So there's this, um, growing interest in the United States, like what we're doing overseas, maybe that would work here. Maybe we have a resistant culture too to the gospel. So I'm just going to teach you uh, at the center of this, what's called the disciple-making movement, is the Bible. And the goal is if people interact with God's word and listen to God's spirit, their lives will be changed. 
even if they even if they've never read the Bible before, even if, if they haven't given their life to Jesus, if they interact with the Bible, they will see what Jesus is like. And they will see that he's wonderful. And they will see that he's trustworthy. And when they see what he's really like, they will give their lives to him. So that's, that's called... Um, Discovery group, okay, because it's, it's looking at scripture and letting the word of God and the spirit of God speak directly to people's lives. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you this. this we're going to do this this morning, okay? You want to try it? We're just going to do it. We're going to do discovery group this morning. So to do this, um, what I need you to do, first of all, is to stand up. So if you're able... Stand up. If you, if you can't stand up, that's fine. Um, now, you need, you need someone to discuss the scripture with. So we're going to read scripture, and you're going to discuss it with someone. Um, so I want you in groups of ideally two. If, if it's three, it's okay, but not four, because you won't have time to interact around it if there's four people. So once you have somebody to do this with, you can sit down. Okay, so you have, to, you have to find somebody. So if there's somebody standing next to you, just grab them. Okay? Okay, great. Well, this worked better than it's ever worked. Okay? Like the last church I did this to, I'm like, somebody grab that person. Somebody, he's standing by himself. But you guys are great. Okay, so we, this is the way Discovery Group works. There's three... Um, parts to it. There's a relate part, a read part, and a respond part. If you want to learn more about this, come back. Um, Saturday morning in particular, we'll look at this. So first we relate. And there's, here's the questions for relate. I think we, we've got them up there. So, uh, sorry that one word's misspelled, but What's one thing, tell the person just quickly what's one thing you're thankful for. It can be something little, it can be something huge. So tell your partner what's something you're thankful for. Okay? Okay, now I want you to tell them what's a challenge you're facing, like something that's stressing you out right now, okay? Okay, you're, you're going to pray about it later. You don't need to pray with them right now, okay? 
Uh, well, and we, you can get prayer during the ministry time at the end of the service, too, okay? <laughs> um, okay, now, we won't do this today because we're not, you know, you're not going to meet with that person next week. But then in, in a discovery group, you're like, hey, is, can this group help you with this? Or, or is there another need that you know of that this group can help with? So those three questions, what we're doing is we're building disciples and churches that worship, that care about each other, where there's community, and we're building churches that are on mission. Okay, so that's the purpose of those three questions. Then we come to the Bible and we read. So Vicky's going to help us with this. And we, you'll see, we're really going to absorb the scripture. Like we're going to read this story several times. Um, so this story, and you can just listen, we're going to read Mark 2, 13 to 17. So Vicki's going to read it. You can just listen. So Holy Spirit, just speak to us as we listen to your word. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with sinners and tax collectors? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Okay, so what I want you to talk about with your partner is what's one thing that stood out to you? What's one thing that you notice from that story? Okay? So talk to your partner. Okay, let's, um, let's just get some responses. What stood out to you? Somebody over here. What stood out to you? You're going to have to call it out. Yeah, he said, follow me, and just right away followed him. That's what she said. How many people that stood out to you? Okay, good, cool. How about somebody in the middle? What stood out to you? Yeah. 
Yeah, so could you hear Joe? He said it's just natural when, when Levi started following him, his, his friends just like, well, maybe we should follow him too. Yeah, how many people that stood out to them? You notice this was a group thing. Yeah, good, thanks, Joe. Yeah, how about over here? Somebody over here. Yeah, he was, he, Jesus came for outcasts, the unlikely people. How many people that stood out? Okay, good. Okay, we're going to read this again. I think, I think this is a different translation. Yeah, I think last time was NIV. I think this time's New Living. So, do, <laughs> okay. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. Oh, I think this might be the same. Um, anyway, and is, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners, and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Okay. Now talk to the person next to you. Now it's their turn. Like if you talked the whole time last time, <laughs> it's the other person's turn, okay? Um, but what's... What's just something we should learn from this? You know, what's a lesson that we today should learn from this? So just, there's all kinds of things you could probably pull out of this, but what, what comes to you from this? Yeah, and it can be just very similar to what you noticed the first time. Yeah. Okay, you can, you can tell, you could talk about this for another 20 minutes, right? So we're, we're doing this in an abbreviated form this morning, but I want you to get a taste of this. So yeah, what are some things we can learn? Let's start over here this time. Yeah, in the back. Yeah, 
He, yeah, he, Jesus came to where they were, right? This is really pivotal. This is really a pivotal insight because if, are we going to go to where they are? Or are we going to say, hey, we've got a great, we've got a great church. We've got great small groups. You come to where we are. Jesus didn't, Jesus said, go and make disciples, didn't he? He didn't say, invite people to come. He said, go and make disciples. So it's a, it's a very critical in, insight. Yeah, thank you. What else in the middle? What's some things we can learn from this passage? Yeah. He didn't judge. Yeah. There were people judging in the passage, weren't they? It wasn't Jesus that was judging. Yeah, good insight. How about over here? What's something we can learn? Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, he had to defend himself. Yeah. People are like, what are you doing hanging out with those people? You're supposed to hang out with the church people, not with those people. Right. I see. Yeah. Good. So, yeah. Yeah. He didn't. He didn't. Right. He didn't get upset. He just yeah. answered. This is yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah. So great. Yeah. Be thankful. Be thankful. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. Yeah. A cu couple other things. What What should we take home from this? Yeah. Yeah. He's at work, isn't he? Yeah. He's at work all around. This is one of the key things with the disciple-making movement. And, um, you know, when, when we're beginning new work in new places, we were in uh, the work that we're specifically involved in with the vineyard there started in a country called the Ivory Coast or Cote d'Ivoire and expanded north into the more Muslim, even more Muslim area, Mali, but we were in Guinea and Liberia. And one thing that uh, we train the new workers in is, um, you, don't, you don't need to draw anyone to Jesus. Like Jesus is drawing people to himself. He needs you, though, to go and help those people know who he is. But he's already, I mean, it's, you hear these stories, but it's true. We hear these stories. Oh, Jesus, yeah, I'd like to learn more about Jesus. He's been appearing to me in my dreams. And um, I was talking to, to um, some people in Illinois about this. I'm, I'm like, why, why, why is Jesus appearing to people in dreams in Africa and not here in Illinois? So Teresa says to me, Jesus appeared to me in my dream. That's why I come to this church. Yeah, she was just a backslidden Catholic, you know. She's like, Jesus appeared to me in a dream and told me to come to the vineyard. So it's not just happening in Africa. You know, a, uh, a couple people in my church, as I've talked about that, they're like, yeah, yeah, that happened to me too. You know, so again, it's like Jesus is at work. I mean, this is, may surprise you. He's at work among your coworkers. He's at work at your school. He's at work in your neighborhood. And the cool thing is, 
Uh, you just need to come alongside him and love people and be a part of that. We were, um, I had a, a dream about a year ago, and in the dream, there were people from India in the dream. So I was like, I mean, I work in Africa, I don't work in India. Um, <laughs> but there are about 3,000 Indian students at the University of Illinois in my town. So I'm like, ah, oh, I, I guess I should get involved with Indian students, you know? So um, anyway, we've had some to our home. We've become close friends with some Indian students. So um, um, someone invited one of our Indian friends to the vineyard on Christmas Eve. You know, it's Sunday, remember? Just a few weeks ago. And um, uh, they're like, would you pick her up? They're like, you're her, her friend. Would you pick her up? So we picked her up and took her to the Christmas Eve service. And then, you know, you're just like, one thing I've learned, if you invite somebody to church, they don't know if you want them to come back if you don't invite them again. They may just think you want them to come next Christmas. Seriously. So, so we're like, you know, we should probably call her this week and see if she wants to come again. So she, um, uh, we also had her to, to our home um, Christmas Eve and um, smashed a piñata and all this stuff that you do if you have Mexican relatives. Um, and um, anyway, our son-in-law is Mexican. And uh, anyway, uh, we did Discovery Bible Study with her, and she was just like, we read Luke 2, you know, and she was just like, Man, how did Mary feel? You know, that was like she was totally interacting with it, she, with the passage. And she told us later, um, I saw real Christianity, and I have lots of questions. That's what she told Vicky. And um, so we invited her again. She came, she came the next two weeks, and then she... Yeah, um, yeah, so go this ahead. This is the you third tell. week, but today she's moving to Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she got it, she just graduated, she got a job in Chicago, so Friday. But it, yeah, but it was cool, because she had been looking for a job for a year, and then she let us know she needed a job, so we said, okay, let's pray for you, let's pray for this job, so we prayed with her for the job. And she got a job. Like, she has, she's been trying, yeah. Yeah. So. You know, so she, you know how it is. If you don't get a job, your student visa runs out, and you go back to India, and you can't pay off your student loans. Um, so, yeah, she was just like, yeah, so Friday we had her. We are leaving at, you know, we got up at 4.30 yesterday morning um, to come, but we were like, we better have her over Friday night. She's moving Sunday. Um, but anyway, uh, we had her over Friday night, and she was like, we had her and her friend Nirvana over, and she was like, thank you so much for praying for me. I know that's why I got the job. Um, but again, it's just like, it, my point is, we are not drawing her. The Holy Spirit is drawing her, and she told us, 
um, this year, I want to read through the Bible, and I want to read the Hindu scriptures, and she, she wants to compare them. Um, yeah, I know if she compares them, which ones will, God will look more beautiful and bigger and greater in, you know? Uh, but we're going to keep in touch with her, too. And she's got lots of friends in our town. Yeah, and just a side note on that, I don't know if you've ever heard of the book The Story, but Max Lucado and Randy Frazee put together a, like a novel of the Bible so that it's NIV and there's actual scripture in it, but then it, there's just these parts that are just italicized and it just fills in these gaps between other parts of the scripture. So that's, we gave her one of those to read. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I just want you to know God's working all around you. He's drawing people and we just have to tune in. Like, God, what are you doing? And it's not that complicated, but it does take time. It does, because loving people takes time. And, uh, you know, you were loved to Jesus. Somebody loved you to Jesus, and that's how you're going to impact other people, too. Um, okay, so now we're going to read this story one more time, and you're going to try to retell it to each other. Okay? So listen, you're going to work together at this. So Vicki's going to read it again. I think that she, she'll read the New Living. Yeah, this time I'll read the New Living. Um, yeah, so listen and think. Again, the two of you will work together to retell the story just as closely word for, it doesn't have to be memorized word for word, but just really what the story is, not a lot of elaboration. Okay, then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that gathered around him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collection booth. Come, be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. That night, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to be his dinner guests, along with his fellow tax collectors and many other notorious sinners. There were many people of this kind among the crowds that followed Jesus. But when some of the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with people like that, they said to his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick, pe sick people do. I've come to call sinners, not those who think they are already good enough. Okay, so just do your best. You know, just like what happened first, and then what happened, and then what happened. See if you can work together and retell the story, okay?
Okay, was that, did you get it? What we do, it, it, so in a discovery group, then we say, we, we, we work together to retell it. If somebody's trying to tell the whole story, we like, no, stop, we're doing this together. Uh, we're do, it's not you telling the story, it's we're gonna, you stop, okay, somebody else, what happened next? You know, so we work together to retell it. Um, but again, we're just, we're just taking in the scripture, reading it, rereading it, retelling it, and then we respond. So here's what I want you to tell your partner. Uh, what's God inviting you to do in response to this passage, in the response to this story? What's one uh, practical way you can respond to this story um, this week, okay? And, and if you have time, also, like, and who's, who's somebody who might be encouraged by this story? Who's somebody, you want to tell this story to your best friend, to your, you know, to your mom? Um, what do you want to do with this? So you tell the person one thing you feel God inviting you to do this week and respond to this story. You want to be really practical with this. Like, uh, you know, not like, I'm going to be more loving. No, it's like, no, I'm going to be nice to that uh, really difficult person I work with. You know, something like that. Okay, so tell the person what's one practical way you can respond to this story. That's a good one. Okay, did you, did you get something? Vicky, Vicky had one for us. So, you know, we had our Indian friend over and she had her other Indian friend over. You know, she's like, okay, I'm bringing Nirvana with me. And Vicky's like, Nirvana's not moving. You know, Nirvana, he got a job in our town. So we need to follow up with Nirvana and say, hey, why don't you, you know, let's get together. Let's you and some of your friends get together. So, um, okay, that's how it works. And there's just this incredible uh, power in God's word. Um, so I started doing this with a new Christian, and um, you know, just as an example, uh, we were we were going through the Sermon on the Mount, and you know, Jesus said, "If someone slaps you on the one cheek, let them slap you on the other cheek." And so I'm like, "How's it? How's what do you feel God inviting you to do?" You know. And he's like, I know what I have to do. Uh, this guy was my best friend, and we haven't talked to each other for six years because of an argument, and I need to apologize to him. So what, what I do with, with the guys I'm doing this with, like he puts it, we put it in a text, in a text thread. You know, so he's like, I'm going to apologize to my best friend. It's in the text thread. You know, and I put mine in the text thread. 
and the other guys put theirs in the text thread. You know, this is Tuesday, Thursday, he's like, we're best friends again. What did he learn? This is not legalism. This is stepping into the purposes of God and the abundant life that God has for us. And, um, and the, a lot of times you're doing this with people that don't know Jesus yet, and they're realizing there is power in the word of God, and I can trust God, and I can give my life to him. So that's how Discovery Group works. So um, I just want to pray blessing over you. And again, if you want to uh, just get some, we're going to practice this Saturday morning. We're going to like... Okay, let's try this. Let's practice this with each, with each other, where we, we're not as hurried as we are this morning, and we're doing it in little groups of uh, four or five people. Um, but I just want to encourage you that God is at work all around you, and he's inviting us into that work in a deeper way than we've maybe been engaged in it before. And we have these very powerful tools, which are the word of God and the presence of God that are going with us. So I'm going to invite Hal and Vicki up here, and we're going to, um, I think let's just start out by standing up. I just want to pray blessing over you. Jesus said, um, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You know, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. And um, it was really, it was really, it wasn't a command, it was a promise. You know, and it wasn't, you're just gonna be a witness. What does a witness do? A witness just testifies to what they experienced. And so I just want to pray that blessing over you that the Holy Spirit would anoint each of us in a fresh way to witness to the goodness of God to a hurting and confused world that's all around us. So let's just hold your hands out. Let's, Holy Spirit, young and old, men and women, just new Christian, experienced Christian, Lord, I just feel like you're saying to each of us, you are commissioned, you are empowered. And Lord, we just receive your blessing, we receive your presence anew. Lord, just each person here. Lord, I even just think of the teenagers and the children. Lord, breathe on us, Holy Spirit. Empower us in new ways to take your love, to take your goodness, to declare your faithfulness um, to the people we like, to the people we don't like in our everyday worlds. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I don't, if there, there'll be the ministry team up here, you can come up. You guys have a prayer team, right? Um, if you have special things or maybe you need prayer for that challenge, <laughs> or maybe you just want to turn and pray for each other. You guys shared challenges with each other a little earlier. That situation you're facing at work, that deadline you're facing at school, 
that uh, medical crisis, you know, if you shared something like that, just take a, t take, take a moment and pray with that person, but the prayer team is also here um, if you want to get prayer here in the front. Did you guys have anything you want to add? I just simply want to say, listen, um, one of the things that you, I hope you heard him say over and over again is about the sensitivity to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, that's not a formula that we can teach you. That's something that you do through experience. And one of the things that uh, Kathy is going to be doing is, you know, leading this class of the five-step prayer model. Um, and I think it's, it's full. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I'm thinking she's full today. Um, but she offers that regularly. You still got room. Okay. See, she's right up here. You, 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 and you're saying to yourself, I, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Part of what they do in that is they teach you how to just deductively walk through a process so that you know what to pray with the person. This really shouldn't be rocket science, and yet for most people it is. Like, this is where the follow-through stops, is like, okay, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pray for you. And we go home and we go, oh, God, I pray for them. And that's the end of it. And if you're wondering, like you're watching other people pray with people, like up here in particular, and you're like, how does that happen? It's not hard. It's really not hard. It's something that every person that is a follower of Jesus ought to know how to do. And yet when we offer it, it is like one of the least attended things there is because nobody wants to admit, I've been walking with Jesus for 30 plus years and I don't know how to pray with other people. Humility, remember that was one of the key words right at the beginning of the conversation. You can keep going on pretending or you could do just this most humble thing and you could say, teach me how to pray with other people. I dare you, I double dog dare you to have the humility enough to say, would you teach me how to pray with other people? And then you have to practice. That's what it takes most of. That means this takes time and you think to yourself, well, what, what if I only lead one person to Jesus this year? Awesome. You probably doubled what you did last year, right? Come on now. Maybe you've, maybe that's 10 times what you've done in the last 10 years, if we're honest. See, that's American Christianity in the heart. It's not that it doesn't work, it's that we're not doing it. And so, We've got prayer team people, you need some prayer, please get some prayer. It doesn't have to be for this, it could be for anything. And then let me encourage you, five-step prayer model class, she's got room, we'll move the class, okay? And then the other thing you can do is then join us this coming weekend. And you saw how, wasn't that simple? This isn't rocket science. It's heart. Please come. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for everyone in the room, and I thank you for what you're doing and how you're drawing. I thank you that you move in and among us and you stir our hearts, and there are things that you've pointed out to us even now, things that you're saying to the hearts of everyone in this room, things that you're showing us, 
and we admit today that we are often paralyzed by fear. Fear we will say the wrong thing, fear we don't know enough, fear that we will be rejected, fear that we could just list endless amounts of fear. And we're told in your word, we're given the promise that perfect love casts out fear. And we're asking that the love of our neighbors, our love of our friends, yes, even the love of our enemies would triumph over our fears and move us to a place where we would be willing to make ourselves available, that we would be willing to step out in faith when we hear your small voice, that we would be willing to miss on occasion for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the gospel. And so we just invite you, come, have your way in our midst. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Get some prayer. Join us next week. God bless. I hope you enjoyed our podcast today. If you did, there's two things you could do for me. First, subscribe to our channel. That way, the most recent podcast will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And secondly, if this ministry has impacted you, would you help us to continue to reach others by clicking on the link in the description to give now. Until next time, thank you so much for listening to The Empowered Word.